Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to the World in Sport, I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, the Pacific take learnings from the Rio Paralympics. Samoa's women's rugby team is denied the chance to qualify for the World Cup. And we catch up with Fiji golfer Sam Lee. But first, a proposed revamp of rugby league's eligibility rules is being hailed as a game-changer for Pacific nations just over a year out from the next World Cup. The Rugby League International Federation has approved plans that would allow eligible players to nominate both a Tier 1 and Tier 2 nation to represent. Players would also be free to switch between the countries multiple times with no stand-down period and remain eligible for state of origin whilst representing Pacific countries. Tonga coach Christian Wolf has been outspoken in his push for change to the sport eligibility rules. The NRL and the International Federation everyone involved uh, you know, certainly deserve a lot of credit uh, for the fact that it, it has been a topical issue for a while and, and obviously um, you know, things do take time to, for, for change to happen. But to, to get to a point where it looks like there's a real possibility for change, I, I think everyone deserves a lot of credit there. And you know, it's certainly, a, um, in my opinion, it's a, it's a real step in the right direction. And we all want a competitive international rugby league scene. And um, you know, the, the, the teams that are able to do that, uh, I think, are uh, your, your Pacific Island nations. And um, you know, the change in the rules is certainly going to allow uh, those teams to become very competitive at a World Cup uh, and, and beyond that as well. So uh, that's a real positive for the game. Just for yourself and Mate Ma'a, obviously looking ahead to that World Cup, uh, you've obviously got a very important 12 months or so uh, in front of you. I mean, if these get rubber stamped, I mean, what immediately does that change in terms of your... Selection options. It just opens up, I suppose, the uh, the, the player availability and you know, what what sort of happened over the last few years. If you look at some of the guys who've been involved in playing for uh, you know, for New Zealand in particular, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys there like you know, your Moes, your Siwa Tukiahos, um, Tui Lola here, uh, you know, Solomon Cutter and, and Dave Fusatour have both been named in a train on squad for uh, for for this end of season's games and. Uh, all of those guys have played for Tonga previously and, and have a real passion for playing for Tonga. And you know, they also get that opportunity and have a passion for playing for New Zealand through uh, the fact that a lot of those guys have, have, have either grown up there or, or spent a, a very long part of their lives there. And um, Under the, the current rules, that means that they can't play for Tonga again in the World Cup. And you know, if they're not picked for New Zealand, that means they're watching a World Cup and not participating in so that to me has always been the issue. We want the best players available for for all the nations, and our players will still get that choice. And some players will still play, choose to to play for other nations, and that's fine. It's a you know, it's a difficult um, a difficult situation for for some players to make that that choice as to where their eligibility or their allegiance lies. And yeah, I guess the, this goes the thing for me is both ways. This goes both ways, I guess, doesn't it? A bit. So, um, I mean, presumably the New Zealand and Australia's of this world are still probably going to get 
first pick will, will be the preference for most of those guys if they can, you know, be selected in those squads. But of course, it means if they're not, then uh, the likes of yourself and and the other Pacific countries will have the option to pick them, and they won't be sitting on the sideline. That, that's exactly right, and uh, yeah, that that helps your Tongas and Samoas and your Fijis and PNGs uh, become a lot more competitive because they're able to get the best players that aren't necessarily playing for New Zealand or Australia. And you know, it also just puts a little bit more choice in the players' hands. There's not a penalty if they do make a choice one way or another. Uh, they know they can make that choice without penalty, and you know, it's a bit more of an open choice. Um, and, and the other one, of course, is the uh, state of origin uh, option, which means that you know you could play for a, a Tonga or a, a Samoa, etc., and still be eligible for the Blues or um, Queensland, as it were. Uh, you know, for for Samoa, I guess that's Anthony Milford, and there's a few players that fall into that boat. I, I suppose it means that you know Jared Hayne could play for Fiji and and still play for New South Wales as well. So all the little things like that sort of add up. To me, that makes sense, and it means that um, you know, this year. I would... If you look at the the Pacific Test in April, uh, you know guys like um, David Fafita, Michael Jennings, uh, Will Hopawati, uh, Daniel Tupo, those sorts of guys that uh, not all were selected for New South Wales, um, yeah, but uh, were all certainly on the radar. And, and if they, they under the current rules, if they'd have chosen to play for Tonga, that would have made them ineligible for New South Wales again for the next two years. So. Uh, you know, as I said before, it's not a um, it's not a simple issue for these players. Um, you know, they have a real strong allegiance to uh, to in, in a lot of cases um, both countries, and um, you know I just think it leaves the choice in their hand, and, and again allows your Tongas and Samoas to become a lot more competitive on the international scene. That's the Tonga rugby league coach Christian Wolf. Pacific countries are taking plenty of positives from their performance at the Rio Paralympics. Fiji, Samoa, Tonga and Papua New Guinea each had two athletes in Brazil. Although no medals were won, President of the Oceania Paralympic Committee, Paul Bird, says a number did set season or personal best milestones. We were extremely happy with the fact that we had a table tennis player represent Fiji. It's the first time that's happened in our Oceania group to get someone outside of athletics and um, powerlifting um, through. So that has been an outstanding effort from CG to a, a fledgling program that we've only just started over the last 18 months to two years. And so that bodes well for our future. And we're trying to develop table tennis as well as badminton um, in our smaller developing countries. Because badminton is a new sport for Tokyo and we are, we are trying to look at sports that take Little equipment, little you know, little um, infrastructure, but uh, maximise opportunity. So uh, very pleased with that. Samoa, um, we had two young athletes come through in Samoa. Um, one had qualified, um, uh, a young CEO. Um, he qualified in his own right um, as a thrower. And we had Maggie. Um, she really uh, is someone to look to in the future if we can keep them both into training. They showed tremendous potential. You know, um, I think probably would have gone home maybe disappointed with their performance, but first time on a big stage. And But they show great potential and have got the opportunity if they're looked after and, and if we can maintain their interest and particularly their training and opportunity over the next four years, they, they really should go well. Of the eight athletes from the Pacific, uh, there was only one or two backing up and the rest were new to the Paralympic Games in Rio. How, yeah. how, how challenging or how easy perhaps is it for 
you know these athletes to repeat to commit to another four years to, to Tokyo because unlike perhaps, oh, un- yeah, no, un- extremely challenging because unlike yeah. some of the Olympic no. athletes they obviously aren't full time and they have their own lives and everything no. else to deal with as well oh absolutely I think look the main thing there is uh, what we are trying to do is try to bring them close to their, their Paralympic committee to try to align and link it to their Olympic committee uh, they tend to be in most of these NPCs, they tend to sit out uh, to the side of, of the sports program within their countries and and therefore they get the, the crumbs of the funding, the crumbs of the opportunity and, and and so there's two things we're trying to do, raise the profile and I think this game's particularly, I'm aware that in Tonga, Fiji and Samoa they actually showed it, showed the opening and, clo- and, and showed the closing live and they've shown a range of sports so that goes a long way in raising the profile, particularly of you know para sport athletes, because they haven't had that opportunity over the years. That's the first thing. Um, second thing is most of them uh, come here. Uh, they they might have been given a wild card, but in most cases they haven't had a, a lot of background or a lot of experience uh, in international competition. So it's a it's a pretty big ask for them to come to a stage like this and perform. So we are trying to change that by um, you know, running uh, we run talent ID programs now. We're trying to target athletes, get them into a, a local program, provide opportunities for you know qualification, and then you know uh, try to continue them on. And it's a challenge because in a lot of cases the the funding isn't there. And where we can, we're trying to put them into mainstream programs in those countries. Now we do that well in Australia and New Zealand, but you know it, it is it is a struggle uh, with any Oceania countries, and that's our challenge. Is the funding situation getting easier or is it just challenging as ever? Right now it's, it's very challenging for them. You know, apart from the profile that's raised when these, you know, while these athletes are away and um, when they go back, it's then about really trying to promote to the government that there is an incredible opportunity to raise the profile. Each of these countries have a large number of their community with a range of disabilities. What we're trying to show is that through sport, through physical activity, you'll create social change and and that social change could lead to a better life and, and therefore the, there's a flow and effect to the average person with a disability as well. So once that starting, you know, starts to be recognised, um, you know, you'll convince sports ministers or health ministers, etc., that it's worth the investment because it changes not only their life, but it could change someone else that's in a chair or they could be blind or have CP that they're not hidden at home and they're, they're welcomed and part of a community. And, you know, it's not only about the sport for us, it's also about you know, creating and raising awareness and creating the social change. That's President of the Oceania Paralympic Committee, Paul Bird. Samoa will not have the chance to qualify for next year's Women's Rugby World Cup after being denied entry into the Oceania qualifiers. The Manusina are the only Pacific Island country to compete at a Women's World Cup and finished 11th at the last tournament two years ago. Coach Ramsey Tomokino, though, says Oceania Rugby decided in March to exclude them from November's inaugural Oceania Women's Championship because Samoa did not have a local women's competition. It's surprising and disappointing at the same time. and uh, Obviously, there's been a lot of good work that's been done in the past in terms of being able to attend those um, Rugby World Cups and to be ranked where the women's rankings are and, and when they came out from when they were released by World Rugby. 
you know, there is a pathway for a Pacific team to be there, but we have been excluded from that, and it's up to one of Fiji or PNG to try and go and represent the Pacific, but they, they then have to go and travel across and um, take on their Asia qualifier. Yeah, it is disappointing, and it's a, probably a really sad letdown for a lot of the Samoan-based girls that um, we're really looking forward to playing in the uh, Women's Rugby World Cup. I mean, we do struggle to find um, sevens players that are uh, women that are keen to put their hands up, but there's no shortage of 15s players across Samoan, New Zealand and Australia. So when did you find out that this was the case? This decision was made in uh, March of this year. I'm not sure why there was um, no, no media release around it. When it was drawn to Samoa Rugby Union's attention that Samoa didn't meet the criteria in the constitution to be able to participate due to a lack of a domestic competition, we tried very hard to give domestic competition up and running and we were told we could apply for special dispensation and that was done, thinking, yep, that's fine, they'll look at it. Unfortunately, it went to this hear- a hearing on a committee and they declined it, and which was um, quite a major setback and probably not a very good decision in the end in terms of it's a setback for us in terms of, you know, we really want to try and develop and grow women's rugby, especially off the back of the Olympics, etc. But it's kind of knocked us back a bit. And that's made by World Rugby? From what I believe, it was a committee that was formed by, within the Oceania rugby region. You could be, you know, I might get in trouble here, but you could be a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> there were people from that committee from New Zealand and Fiji in there also. And there's obviously natural um, gains for, you know, obviously Fiji gets to play in the match. And there's obviously lots of New Zealand-based Samoan players. But, uh, you know, I mean, that, I'm, I could be way, way off the mark there, but it so, was an odd decision that was made. So Fiji and Papua New Guinea both have a local women's competition and Samoa doesn't? Yes, I believe so. I believe Fiji does. Someone actually actually asked me, they weren't actually sure if PNG had a domestic competition, but it has to have been a competition that's been running for two years, and if you've got only two teams and they play each other, or you know, and I guess that, that's qualified as a competition, so... The problem is, is Samoa used to have a domestic competition once upon a time, and what a lot of people don't realise is that there is Samoa Women's Rugby Union, which is a separate entity to Samoa Rugby Union, and it's through the lack of good governance of Samoa Women's Rugby Union in terms of developing a local domestic competition. I think the focus probably went too much on sevens, and there was nothing in fifteens. And because Oceania were aware that we didn't run a fifteens competition, that's how this all came about, and and we were made aware of it and we tried to rectify it but uh, we weren't able to do that. There's a big focus on the domestic game and making sure there's a local competition and that's certainly a very valid um, issue um, but if you look at internationally, Samoa have competed at the par- at three Women's World Cups in the past, PNG and Fiji have never competed at that tournament. I'm not sure what international matches in recent years Fiji and Papua New Guinea have had at women's level so there seems to be something of a, a disregard for international achievements as opposed to domestic. Yeah, you're right. And look, if it was the men's game, you know, there'd be a big uproar and, and it just wouldn't happen. You'd, you'd have your 11th ranked team would be at a Rugby World Cup, possibly. It doesn't make sense. And there is, um, and this is what I mean in terms of the decision that was made by this committee that vetoed the uh, dispensation. They obviously didn't look at all those factors and they just focused on the here and now. And Has there been any... Um discussion with your counterparts in Fiji and Papua New Guinea have they expressed um, perhaps disappointment that you're not able to even attempt to take part in the World Cup or the fact that they have a one-off match are they 
just quite, happy, think, quite happy at that, perhaps. Yeah, look, I think they'd be quite happy that they've got a one-off match and that either one of them to have an opportunity to attend. Um, what is disappointing also is that, you know, when that decision was made, you know, like people haven't taken into consideration that Samoans are massive contributors to the women's rugby game here in New Zealand and in Australia as well. And there are very a lot of disappointed um, and, and angry girls, actually, that they're only just learning about this. I mean, um, everyone wants to ask the questions why, and, and it, we, we know where it is, really. It just is the fact that through poor governance, there was no domestic competition, and well, it ended somewhere and not carried on. And... So what does it mean going forward? Because in the past, obviously, you've been at the World Cup, you've at least had a World Cup to attempt to qualify for. That's been taken away from you. You're not going to the tournament in Ireland next year, so... So what for the next year, the next two years, three years? Yeah, so, um, yeah, we have to really look at, as, as rugby union, have to look at that program and see how we can potentially um, just start building it. Obviously, we've got a, there's a development team in Samoa that's working on, on the domestic competition there and trying to get something up and running in it. We might even have to just start off with teams just to, just to build it up. Um, so we're aware of that. There's some good schoolgirls coming out, and that's where we've probably got a target. I was speaking with Cheryl McCormick from Oceania Rugby, and you know, she she she's admitted she wasn't a, a fan of the decision that was made before she took on her role, because it's all about trying to develop and build the game. So we've just got to potentially maybe tour New Zealand or tour Australia or something, and try and organise one-off games against either the Wallaroos or the Black Ferns, and over the next four years, and, and keep girls interested because some can't wait another four years, or they'll That's Samoa's women's rugby coach, Ramsey Tomokino. Fiji golfer Sam Lee is hoping this week's South Pacific Open Championship in New Caledonia can start a revival of his on-course fortunes. The 26-year-old made his professional debut 18 months ago at the New Zealand PGA Championship and also competed on home soil at the Fiji International. But after missing out at qualifying school, he's spent the bulk of 2016 at home reshaping his game. Had a few ups and downs. Gone through a few swing changes and uh, just mental stuff and, and fitness. That's all I've been doing the last what, six, seven months. The swing change is a classic you know, golf thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, is, is that just standard for golf, is it? That at some point in someone's career, you will change your swing mm-hmm. at some point? I think so, because it's so easy to get into bad habits. You know, if you don't really like something for so long, you just gotta do it. I know it's not easy, but uh, yeah, it's something I guess everyone really wants to do. Is it more yeah. about freshening it up and, and doing something different, or is it about changing things? Uh, for me, for me, it was um, just um, doing something very different than what I was doing. But obviously, it's not really much when you put it on video. But to me, when you when it feels so different from what I was doing, it's, you know, sometimes it can be a little, uh, break your confidence a little bit because you're not really used to doing it. You mentioned, obviously, that you didn't make it through the Q school. What, aside from practice and, and what have you, what sort of match play have you had in 2016? Well, I've just been practicing back in PG and then uh, I've had a few, few events, few proems in June, May and June, back in PG, and then, uh, yeah, I've, I played well then, so uh, I'm really looking forward to this week and then uh, in two weeks back in Fiji, in the Fiji International. Indeed, so this is obviously a very important fortnight for you. Yes, it is.
but I try not to um, focus too much on the outcome, but I just go through the process and and just, uh, yeah, focus on one shot at a time. That's all you can do, really. You can't change the outcome unless you change the process. That's the Fiji golfer Sam Lee, and that is the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinny Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.